Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode one, like officially episode one of That's Lunacy, a podcast where me, Mike Hickey, and... I'm Mike Fardy. And I'm Josh Gowdy. And Josh is on a massive delay as we recorded this on Zoom. <laughs> uh, on a massive delay. <laughs> um, we are going to watch a bunch of werewolf movies because we are trying to make a werewolf movie of our own. It is called Lunacy. Um and we decided that a fun way to kind of prep for that and figure out as we develop the story and try to make that script um, that Josh is writing as good as it can possibly be and be the best werewolf movie because a lot of werewolf movies are bad. And we, we decided that we were going to watch all, a bunch of those bad ones and, and good ones. So I like werewolf movies for a reason. Some are very good. Uh, and one of the first ones we're going to watch today is one that I consider good. It's like my one of my it's one of my favorites because it was like the first grown up werewolf movie that I watched. It is 1994's Wolf, uh, starring Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer and James Spader. It was di uh, directed by Mike Nichols. It is a very strange movie. Um, <laughs> in that, like, in that, like, it doesn't. It's a werewolf movie that's like a really good werewolf movie, but it doesn't want anything to do with being a werewolf movie. <laughs> no, there's like no werewolfing in it. Like, it's. They don't even say werewolf at any point in this movie. They refer to the demon wolf a bunch, but they never actually say werewolf. And I think that's really telling because it means to me that, like, yeah, they they want to make a werewolf movie, but they just don't want it to be a werewolf movie, you know, which seems seems strange. Um, yeah, like the it, it just gets bit. He gets bit by a wolf when the moon is really close. Yeah. And apparently that's just what makes werewolves. But no one ever named werewolves in this world yeah like he he starts looking up like animal possession and stuff and it's just one of those things that's like you know like there's a, a weird uh and we'll get to this as we go through the movie but there's like a weird thing <laughs> we might as well just dive into it um there's like this weird thing where he calls up just after he's kind of like started to realize something's up he calls one of the guys at his publishing house who's like a researcher to like look up books on animal possession. And the guy's like, oh, you mean like owning a dog or something? And he's like, no, not animal possession, animal possession. You know, like, uh, like, and, and he never uses, you know, like being a werewolf as an example, which is like, to me, <laughs> the easiest way to get someone from A to B in that conversation. <laughs> I feel like there's a thing in a lot of horror movies where... Let me jump in. Oh, oh, no, go for it. Go Josh. for it, Josh. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm awkwardly stumbling in. Jumping is like a, is the wrong word. So I'm just going to do that a lot, I guess. So I'm going to just fall into this conversation real quick. Sorry to cut you off. But it feels like when you said that, I made me think like, as I was watching the movie again, I thought, is this, does this one even count as a werewolf? Because they almost seem to be going out of their way to not say werewolf. Like if they had acknowledged the werewolf part when he's on call, like calling his assistant being like, hey, can we look up animal possession? You know, I think if they had any interest in making this seem like a werewolf movie, they would have asked, hey, can, do you know anything about werewolves? You would have called a guy a book on werewolves, but they're like going out of their way to not even have the word enter the script. Yeah, but but I think that that has a lot to do with the party at the beginning of the movie. Like when the 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 party with Alice and Janney's cameo, which I love because Alice and Janney's fantastic. Um, the party with Alice and Janney's cameo um really kind of stands out to me as the um that really kind of stands out to me as the tempo of the movie like the conversations 
Uh, and I mean, he has like a weirdly like Jack Nicholson's Will Randall goes off on like this weirdly cynical, homophobic kind of pretentious monologue, and um, it's just like he's just very, very much a dick. And but the movie in a lot of places feels like it's a werewolf movie made for the people who would go and enjoy that party and have those conversations. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so because like he like his character flaws are that he's a pretty nice guy and doesn't, you know, fist fight people. Like he is he's he's also an asshole. Yeah. But he's not he's not alpha enough, I guess, for this the high octane world of publishing. <laughs> like I don't understand it, like it, it, they they're all publishers who embody the spirit of what we think of as like wall street traders like yeah it's like that wolf of wall street but we run a publishing house first. and it's and it's just it's so weird because like you know when the movie starts like i always say uh one of my, my whole issue with the shining the movie is that i say jack nicholson's dynamic isn't what it needs to be because he comes into that movie as like opening of the movie jack torrance at like an eight like his sad sack uh you know, guy who lost his job, alcohol, recovering alcoholic Jack Torrance is already at like an eight on the crazy scale. So he doesn't really have a lot of a place to go that that movie is supposed to showcase. Like that's what the story of The Shining in in book form is kind of supposed to be. Um, and I feel like this movie's kind of the same thing in that like, you know, he's old and bald, balding and like, you know, he's a bit haggard. He's a bit of a sad sack, but like it really feels to me like this character at the beginning of the movie is supposed to be Jack Lemon, like supposed to be Gil from the Simpsons, but it's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. So it just never gets to that point of like, instead of just being like a pathetic kind of want, want bookish like editor at this new, uh, New York publishing house, he's still Jack Nicholson. So he's just like a bit of a dick and just doesn't get his way. Yeah. And that's kind of how it feels to me. Um, but you know, that like, like you said, like that's his, his flaws are, are, I just feel like you don't get enough of that dynamic when it, with any kind of Jack Nicholson thing. Cause he's Jack Nicholson. I think it's, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like, like all that changes are people's reactions to him. <laughs> like he is always, oh wait, Josh is, Josh is raising his hand. Hold on. Is he frozen though? I have no way to know. No, I figured this would he be, actually this, is frozen. this would be a, this would be a, a good symbol, but you keep keep going. I'll I'll just put it in my hand and I'll I'll chime in when someone else takes a break. Okay, keep going, Mike. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just off the top. Like, if you wanted a a sort of Gill character, then because they I think they also kind of screwed it in the writing, and I don't know if Jack Nicholson asked for that monologue, but that monologue like throws off the fact that he just steps into these high you know highbrow conversations or highbrow. Yeah. I guess this woman is is predicting COVID and. <laughs> yeah. He had something to say. Uh, but he he steps in and like says these things, which is not something that a person who is, you know, weak and bush bookish and a pushover is supposed to be doing. No, but I I think it's I I think and, and Josh, I'll I will let you jump in as soon uh as, as soon as I make my point, because this is what happens when you're on delay. Um I think that this movie suffers by who it's necessarily made by in that like it's a movie that's made by older white men 
we're all white men, but like the older white guys who just kind of have that um, weird, it's just that, that like him flexing that is like, this is what's wrong with the world at, at a party, but still feeling like, you know, and still being able to just kind of overrun a conversation with this kind of like, like I said, like there's like very weird pretension and homophobia and like, cause he said something about like gay senior citizens as being a problem with the world. And like he goes on with this kind of shit. But, like, him being able to override a conversation like that and just kind of hijack it with that, he still thinks, like, he's, you know, oppressed and, and not able, you know, he's down on his luck and stuff. It's like, yeah, you're, you're still the editor-in-chief of this major publishing house. And in this world where it's being taken over by, like, a bigger conglomerate, um, like, in a bigger company, you're going to get let go because they're streamlining and they're trying to do this and they're just trying to, like you know, make way for a younger generation of things. Like, that's the whole, like, that's his whole kind of journey in this. Josh? <laughs> okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's all correct. And it made me think about, um, after I watched this, I went back and watched the trailer because I was just kind of curious as to how, how do they even market this? I remember seeing them back in the day, but I didn't remember the trailers. But it, I mean, it looks from the, you know, the trailers that this was like a werewolf movie. Like you're gonna get a lot of werewolf. There's gonna be teeth and fangs. That werewolf shot that's in everyone and every werewolf movie where it's like just the the werewolf like Cirque du Soleil directly over the camera. Yeah. Uh, but like there wasn't a lot of that. But it did. It seemed like uh, this was like a werewolf movie for people who wouldn't go see a werewolf movie. Like yeah. The characters in the movie seem like this was like that kind of target audience, like an older, it's almost like if you stuck like a werewolf into Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like it was just like this weird look into like this very particular kind of people. And as there's a werewolf in there too, I, I'm not, I don't think it was a bad idea. I, I kind of liked the idea. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like it is kind of great. Like, you know, a lot of great werewolf stuff is is just is that, but um, yeah, I don't know. It it it's, it always feels to me very weird that they're like trying to fight being a werewolf movie, despite being like a pretty good werewolf movie, and like it still does really like it's still a very fun werewolf movie, despite not wanting to be. You know what I mean? And Jack Nicholson apparently like was after this movie for years. Like he knew the. Uh, like one of the screenwriters on it and had been trying to get this movie made for a very long time. And I feel like how old he was when it got made, like he, had, you know, the movie got made in 94. So theoretically, according to the IMDb trivia, um, he had been trying to get this movie made since around 1982. And so the age he would be at 1982, um, feels like, you know, and I, I don't have Jack Nicholson's age in front of me. I'll look it up right now, just just because. But, like, the age that he would be there, um, so he's born in 37, so in 80, so he'd be 45. And so him at 45 going, like, ah, oh, I just got laid off, like, uh, I'm being forced to, like, go to the, you know, being forced to, like, move to Eastern Europe or whatever it is. All that stuff, if he's 45, it feels more like, oh, this is, this is like this big thing. Like I still have a lot of time left. I'm not old enough to retire. I'm not whatever. But in this movie, he's like almost 60, you know? And it's just that like, but if he was like, and if he was like balding and stuff the way that he is in the movie and then like gets his hairline back and does, you know, all the kind of vigorous things where he becomes a bit of a younger man uh, or at least presents as a bit of a younger man because of kind of the vigor that, that werewolfery gives him. Um, if that happens to him at 45, 
it's it like it, you you notice all that stuff more because they'd obviously they would have aged him up. They would have done a bunch of things. But instead, it's just kind of like, oh, it's Jack Nicholson. And now it's just like it's still sort of Jack Nicholson, but he's got a toupee on. And like that's the way the movie plays it. And so I, yeah. I think that it kind of suffers a little bit like the stakes for him in terms of like the stakes for him in terms of um, what losing his job at this age means. It's like you you can probably retire at this point, man. Um, like you're you're living Upper West Side or whatever. Like you're doing well. Like this isn't gonna, this isn't the end of the world for you. Um, just because you know, um, and it's just kind of funny that like you know if the movie gets made when it, they first try to make it, um, it, it the whole thing kind of changes a little bit. And there's also a line where Kate Nelligan, who plays his wife Charlotte, um comes and meets him at the hotel after, um, just before her character gets killed. And uh, Kate Nelligan, who plays, who was in Dracula, the one with Frank Langella, and was great. Um, but there's a, a part where she kind of comes to him and says something about, like, you know, don't throw away 16 years. And it's just one of those things of, like, both of these actors are old enough that that, like, you could have just changed that line to, like, 26 years and it would have made sense to me that they were together that long. <laughs> but, again, it's because yeah. this movie was written that I think we're all supposed to think Jack Nicholson's, like, 45 in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's a good thing they didn't make it when he wanted to make it because I don't think the slow-mo technology would have been there. <laughs> I don't think the prosthetics technology would have been there to give us that immersive experience that we got in this. Um, listen, I love Jack Nicholson's final wolf form, like his his werewolf when he goes full werewolf at the end in the stable. That is a great. Yeah. That's a great werewolf. Okay, no, I love I I love all the stages of Jack Nicholson's werewolf. I'm talking about his stunt double. Oh my God! This is one of uh, the worst stunt double masks I've seen in my entire life. It's the like worst. I feel like they were like, all right, we need a Jack Nicholson mask, and they were like, gotcha, Nixon. Like, no, yeah. no, Nicholson. Yeah. yeah, Nixon. I got you. I got a Nixon mask. Yeah, putting it on our stunt double. <laughs> and like Josh, Josh has his hand up, so we'll wait twenty seconds and hear from Josh. <laughs> <laughs> So I just yeah I'm really happy someone else was commenting on the the stunt double because what I I really really respect that someone like Mike Nichols who has done a lot of like fantastic movies uh, and like really wanted to do something completely to challenge himself like I'm gonna go at a left field and do a movie with a bunch of werewolves in it but someone really should have stepped in there and said. You, you've probably never shot a scene with stunts in any of your films because the person who's playing Jack Nicholson's stunt double is distractingly not Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And shot it's in crazy. such a way that it looks... Like, and, but the thing is, is that I have, I have in my notes here, <clears throat> uh, this, is, this, this, this is my verbatim note here. Um, this is, without hyperbole, the worst day for night Ever, I don't All know. If, night is insane. I don't know if they want to convey that his eyesight makes it easier to see in the dark or something. I don't know. I've never understood this. And then right below it, I have: if you're going to use a stunt double, maybe don't feature him in wide slow motion shots that are well lit because it's day for night. Like if they had just shot that night for night and it was dark, you wouldn't notice. But if they shoot it in the worst day for night ever. And instead, so you have this guy running around at noon in a shitty Jack Nicholson mask, and they put him in slow motion, so he's on camera for, like, all the time. It's so weird. It's such a strange choice. And then what's really great is that when you click on the IMDb trivia, which I do every time I watch a movie now, um, there's actually a point 
where it says, and I absolutely adore this, that it's uh, it says the scene where Will hunts the deer was filmed day for night. And I'm like, oh, was it now? Thank you. This is super useful trivia that I otherwise wouldn't have known. And 27 out of 29 people found this interesting. <laughs> kills me. It kills me. Oh, man. I just get so mad. Like, that's the one thing. is like, I really enjoy this movie, but that day for night scene kills me every time. I just, like, because yeah. I didn't understand. I watched this movie for, it was, like I said, I was 10 years old when this movie came out, and I watched it, I think, that year. Um, and I ne- And I didn't understand the concept of day for night. And so the idea that they go to bed, they goes to bed. It shows the the moon, uh, which isn't full, because um, the, the transition happens over the course of of, of the uh, over the course of the the month. But it's not full at this point. But they show the full moon, and then they go show him in the middle of the afternoon, just running around in the woods, <laughs> and then um, and then he kills a deer. And then he comes back to the house at what looks like sunset and gets in his car and drives away. And then he's talking yeah. to Michelle Pfeiffer later. He's like, it was six o'clock in the morning. And I was like, it was the morning. What the, then why were you doing on the, like, what time does the sun rise here? Like what is going on? It was just, it just boggles my mind. And then we do get that shot of the owl. I love that owl. Yeah. Oh, the owl reaction shot. I, I love, I love the owl reaction shot. He bites the deer, and then the owl is like, <gasps> <laughs> "It's like, like I think I remember we were all at the cabin uh, watching this movie a while ago, and then that happened, and you guys had never seen the movie, so you both just like fell out of your chairs at the owl." <laughs> Josh has his hand up. <laughs> so the th- I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the owl because I probably would have glossed over this but i'm curious i don't have an answer to this but i am really wondering what you guys think about the animals like all the other animals in this because it seems like they are including a lot of other animals in some particularly um dramatic moments where i'm thinking is this just being arty for the sake of being arty to make this like hey just to be just to work this is the arty werewolf movie like in the big werewolf fight scene at the end where you know spoiler alert james spader is like trying to kill michelle pfeiffer there's like you get all the shots of like the horse like the these yeah. really slow down shots of like the horse losing its mind and i was just like i don't know what exactly we're trying to say with this but it feels like it's just like we're just trying to say like we're including some animal metaphors we're not going to really explain it but that's going to make sure everyone knows we're the art we're the arty werewolf movie you know, I think I always took that stuff as homage just because I know, like, not always because when I first saw this movie, it was the first werewolf movie I saw. But when I saw a bunch of other ones later, it really kind of felt like it had a very, um, it's kind of, um, like, it, it makes me think of, of, like, you know, cat people and, um, uh, like the Val Luton one. Um, and there's, I think it's, uh, She Wolf of London and Werewolf of London where there actually are scenes where they go to, like, uh, um, go to a zoo and stuff. And so it always kind of played that way to me. But um, yeah, it's, it's always just to me, it, it, it's a little bit of that like artistic pretension in, in some way, but it always does feel to me thematically. It makes sense from a filmmaking perspective to just kind of like, you know, show that as he's progressing into an animal state, how animals react to him. I, like it, it's one of those things of like that's that isn't one of the problems I have with this movie. <laughs> I so one of the things I had a bit of a problem with was the 
the horses like the horses are scared of him. Yeah. We understand that. Yeah. But the fact that everyone who sees the horses get scared and immediately look at Jack Nicholson, they're like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. It's like, well, you can't blame Jack Nicholson right now. <laughs> well, but it does. I, I do love that. Like at the beginning of the movie, Christopher uh, Plummer, RIP, um, gives him a cigar, walks him towards the horses. And just as he gets the cigar lit, he's like, I'd put that out. The horses don't like it. It's like, why'd you yeah. fucking give it to me then? Yeah. Like what a dick move to be like. Here's a cigar. You're fired. Put out the cigar. It's like, yeah. Come on, man. But also, like Michelle Pfeiffer later, when she falls off the horse, yeah, is like, why would you come near this horse when you know it's afraid of you? And he's like, why do? Why is it afraid of me? And she's like, well, you should know that because at the party, you scared all the horses, which I saw from the other side of a bunch of bushes while I was sitting in my guest house. Exactly. Like he ran away from that, and that's when they meet. So it's just kind of like, it's yeah, it's 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 very. It, it's very weird. I, I take issue with you saying that he ran away from that. He had a heart attack and then wandered <laughs> into the woods to die. <laughs> that is that actually that is that is more accurate. Um, and I do love that when that happens, the Michelle Pfeiffer reveal where they keep her head out of frame the whole time as though she's not on the poster for the friggin' movie. And it's yeah. just like, and then they just like slowly build up to reveal Michelle Pfeiffer as though none of us know. It's yeah. uh, but also, you know, so the Michelle Pfeiffer reveal is great. Also, Michelle Pfeiffer is great in this movie. I love Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie. Michelle Pfeiffer herself is great in this movie. Uh, I, if I were an old man who was on the verge of death more than once, uh, I would not want to be partners with Michelle Pfeiffer because she sees a man stumbling out of the woods having a heart attack and is like, a stiff drink will fix you right <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And that works. It does work, but that's not like that. It shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> she should have called someone. Yeah, but, you know, I think I feel like Laura Alden at this point of the movie kind of wants him to die so that she can be like, my father killed this man. Yeah. You know, like, this is all my dad's fault. Like, it very much kind of feels like she wants him to die so she can stick it to her father and just, like, lord the guilt over him. Yeah. So, like, after he creeps his way in to eating a peanut butter sandwich with her at her table while he is mean to her, like, that old school flirting makes me want to die the entire time I'm watching it. And then she's like... They're, okay, so their date is like the dad, her, her dad says, I want you to come to dinner. She says, no, I'm going to lunch with this guy. And then she brings him home and she's like, I don't actually want to have lunch with you. I just wanted to be mean to my dad. He's yeah. like, no, make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They awkwardly eat them. He's mean to her the whole time. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to take this guy to the place under the bridge where I bury all my pets. Yeah. <laughs> like and I think I have in my notes here at some point and I got I just got to find it um that like it is it is disturbing to me and alarming and mind-boggling it says here how sexy Michelle Pfeiffer finds the deranged Jack Nicholson is mind-boggling like it, I never understand their the, the dynamic of their relationship especially where right after all this happens um, he, you know, he takes, he, he kind of starts stumbling cause he's about to transform. And for some reason, even though he's like becoming more and more wolf-like makes him more vigorous and more virile and all these things just before it happens, he kind of like becomes a shell of a man and kind of collapses and becomes very weak. Like I find it really weird that like it bottoms him out just before it brings him back up. Um, but he has the thing where he's like in bed and doing like a weird Brando thing where he's just like in bed <laughs> with, with his under 
<laughs> like trying to like stick out his jaw to give himself an underbite to look more wolfy, and it's just and she's just like this. I want to hop into bed with this, and they're talking so, about making breakfast and stuff. Josh has his hand up. We got to get him without a delay. As soon as we can go to the tight ten and open up these sorry, bubbles, sorry. you are going to one of these houses in person. I'm not even allowing another like nine people into my world because this is like the only priority I have is getting off this delay. So anyway, <laughs> but like it, your comment about like she, their their relationship and her being incredibly attracted to this old horrible man uh, comes as little surprise because I mean I mean the the original screenplay was written by uh, Jim Harrison, older novelist, directed yeah. by Mike Nichols, who was older at the time. Yeah, and, and, and when you mentioned Brando there, I was like, this really reminds me of. Uh, last tango in paris where it's like hey this older just beaten down not really charming at all marlon brando just has this gorgeous young woman just like fall for them why because he's old and kind of weird so it's like these yeah it came from old kind of weird dudes and so yeah of course they're gonna make this like the the old kind of weird literary type the you know object of everyone's affection and attraction yeah it's <laughs> it's it, I, and I and I really do think that exactly what what you said, like the people whose perspectives went into the making and creation of this movie, very much played into. Well, this is what women find attractive, right? They yeah. would they yeah. wouldn't go for uh, an an early '90s James Spader. Um, it, granted, I have James Spader is a fucking slime ball in my notes so many times. Like, it was just, I was going through, and it was just like, James Spader's a slime ball. And then, like, a couple a couple beats later, it was like, James Spader's a fucking slime ball. And, like, and it's just, it's just, oh, man. If I did it, like, I'd find the word slime ball. I can find it one, two, I can see it, like, at least six times in my notes. It is intense. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, that that's who she instantly goes for to um, piss off her dad, who's also the same age as all these other guys. Um I find it, I find it very, yeah, it's just, it's, that's, that's the thing is like, it's, it's when people talk about like diversity in film and why we need different voices. It's cause otherwise you get movies like Wolf. Yeah, it is. I, I can't believe. And, but honestly, like when, when she lays him down in bed and he is like sick and a husk of a man and forcing his jaw out, like I, if it wasn't for the, phone call that they have later where she's mad that he left after he killed the deer yeah i would have assumed that she was like i'm not gonna call a hospital i'm not gonna do anything i'm just gonna tuck him into this bed and i'll hide the body in the morning <laughs> yeah. but also like there are things that she says in that on that phone call that kind of imply that they had sex yeah like she's kind of like does. just man just disappears in the morning and it's just like wait did you he was dying. Did you have sex with him? Like, what is going on? But there's also a very funny... There's also this very funny bit uh, there where it's just like she's listing off like she's going to make him breakfast and he just like goes, and bacon. Because he's like... And it's like, it's that thing where like I get that they're trying to show like the idea that he's just got like built up this like kind of hunger for meat uh, because he's becoming more wolf and and... and giving into the carnivore kind of thing. But it really just plays at this point of like bacon has become such kind of like a weird part of the zeitgeist and like jokes about bacon and, and men liking bacon is such a weird thing that it just does. It just is like very funny to me that him go then bacon as he's like turning into a wolf and getting ready to like go off and, and, and do all this kind of shit. 
I do want to go back for a second though, because we are we moved up a little bit into this whole thing, and I feel like if we skip over the part where after he gets fired, when his wife finds out, and there's like a little bit of foreshadowing that she has a closer relationship with James Spader than we we, we know, um, but the part where they're like lying in bed. And she's just like, and can I say one more thing about it? And he says, no, and turns off the light. It's like my favorite part of the movie. He's just like, no, I'm done with this. And it's so great. And then there's like, like right after that is when he like sleeps all the next day and stuff. And he's going around and uh, he's basically, he's turning into a werewolf and he has all these heightened senses and he's like got more energy and his hair is growing back and all this stuff. And He's just, you know, he doesn't notice that this is happening just because he's like, well, I got 20 hours sleep and I feel great. And I'm like, I never understood how you could just like let that go. And then I turned 30 and I was like, I get Jack Nicholson of Wolf now. I'm just tired all the time. (laughs) 20 hours sleep would do me so much good. I really like how down everybody is with him becoming the demon wolf. Like, yeah, he's like my, my, my sight's great. My hearing's great. I can smell good. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Hair's grown back. Whatever. And he, like, it's like, oh, you might have a concussion, man. He's like, no one feels this good with a concussion. No more tests. Yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> why, why would you go to the doctor if that's how you were going to instantly react when they were like, you might have a concussion? It's like, I'm going to take myself to the doctor because I'm worried about what happened. And the doctor's like, you may have a concussion. He's, and you're just like, nope. <laughs> just like, why even bother to go? Like, Ron Rifkin has better ways to spend his day. <laughs> um... I also do there, there's another great part in the in the his dynamic with his wife before the reveal that she's having the affair where um she's like complaining about her job and um she says something about like how they were like you should cook you should do this part because you are are this thing and then she's like that's exactly like telling a black food writer that and then he cuts her off and I'm just like thank you cuz that was going to get weirdly racist yeah <laughs> There's like so many like little things in this movie that like now I'm just like, oh God, they just they just avoided that part. Like it's yeah. um I do uh really like to we're we're getting up more to the werewolf stuff now. There's a couple things. Uh the part where he's in that stairwell though, and when he finally goes out after after Niles is like, You're not wearing your glasses, and he's just like, Oh, right, I don't I don't need my glasses anymore. And he goes out and he does that like listening thing and like he's like wiggling his ears that is a really great reveal of the heightened senses. Like the way that plays it's a, it's a, you know, it's the trope that the werewolf discovers that they can do things even in human form that they couldn't do before. But the way that is set up with him just kind of hearing all the, the, the gossip and the whispering around, around the, um, around the office, especially the, uh, the, the guy where they have that like back and forth about the tequila and the coffee who also who would like, Tequila, like I've, I'm with Jack Nicholson. Like, how can you drink tequila that? Like, I get like if you had a tequila sunrise, sure, there's orange juice, maybe a bit of a breakfast beverage, but um, <laughs> still, tequila in, on a, on a work day, on a weekday morning, Jesus man, like um, there's also because uh, that's also the point where the the score comes in really strong in this movie, um, and of course the score uh, I say of course is like in, you know, uh, but it's uh, Ennio Morricone does the score for this movie, uh, Morricone, and it's just it's so it is so good. It, I agree. You say you what? Sorry, I I disagree with the score being really good. You don't think the score is good? I think the score is good for the drama. I think 
the score is really bad for the horror parts. And I'm thinking specifically of the opening scene um, where the where he hits the wolf with his car and the wolf gives him kind of a sneaky wink, oh, yeah. which could be a very, very tense scene yeah. if not for the sneaky wink and if not for the music, which is just playing the same music that is playing when he's driving around in the car. Fair, fair point. And the action sequences too uh, are really weirdly scored. Uh, I don't know. There, there is that, there is this, love, this kind of pulsing it. thing that he does a lot that I really like. Um, and it's but it's in that moment of like it's less the action scenes and more of like that the the tension in because that's where I made the note is that part where he's at in the stairwell, like in the the lot like you know that big not really stairwell but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, he's out in the middle of the lobby of yeah. publishing house. Like right there, that score is so great, and it's got and it brings in some themes that like do come back and play, and I and I really do do like it. Like you know, even in in the other parts, I I do enjoy it. It's you know maybe maybe uh, maybe not the best choices in in some spaces, but I, I I do like it. I think there's very few moments where they're actually going for scares, so I think it for the most part is is totally fine. But the couple of times that they try to bring up like a more horror tension, it yeah, very. It still felt very much like a, you know, sort of romance drama. Um, fair enough. And 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 fun fact though, John Williams was actually supposed to score this movie, um, but uh, after the project got delayed a bit, he ended up like doing like Schindler's List and Jurassic Park like back to back. Um, uh, and he was doing the bo- and he was overseeing the Boston Pops at the same time, and so he was just like, I can't, I'm just too busy. Um, Josh, is that is it, is that is that a hand up? That's a hand up. I was I was going to say I'm kind of glad that Mike Fardy brought up the fact that you like the score because I didn't look at the Wikipedia before I started watching this, and I wasn't I don't pay attention to like the opening credits, so I didn't actually know who scored this. So about halfway through, I was like, who's this i hate this so much and then i i looked it up and then i saw who it was and i said okay well i guess i'm wrong like, yeah. i'm i'm willing to be wrong that, like, this is good okay I, i'm i don't like this but i'm i'm the idiot in this because of this has to be good but i was distracted by how much i did not like the score and i love a lot of his other scores but for some reason i just could not get into this one but again i'm wrong i'm 100 percent wrong fair um, uh, also, we, we talked about the opening real quick there uh, with, with scoring stuff. Besides the score, I love the opening. Uh, I loved him hitting the wolf in Vermont. Uh, the, the part that really set me up for some bad effects down the road, though, is right off the bat. So, like, when he, when he gets bit and the wolf runs into the woods and he looks around and he is surrounded by wolves. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I loved that. I love the, 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 where they are, how their eyes are just glowing and it's moving enough that you can't really look at any one of them. Yeah. Until they slow zoom in on the worst wolf out of the whole group of them. Yeah. The, the, and then it's the same one that I think like they basically use the same one at the end of the movie to hero, like, Jack Nicholson's change at the very end. And it yeah. looks like I, like I said, I love Jack Nicholson's like man, wolf, tr- like wolf man thing at the end of this movie um, for the climax. I love the way he looks in that, but then to have yeah. it punctuated by what looks like a bad theme park animatronic. It looks like one me. of the country bears. Yeah. <laughs> like they were like, we need a, we need a wolf. We can't use a real wolf. 
well, we got a dog that looks like a wolf. Do you want to zoom in on that? And it's like, no, no, no. We got to get like a special animatronic one. Oh, I, you know what? I know a guy. I know a guy. He's done a bunch of bears. I'm sure he can do a it wolf. Was Rick Baker did the effects for this movie? Like Rick Baker, who did like all of the like all the greatest werewolf movies have Rick Baker. That's just like, well, except the Howling. But he was supposed to do the Howling. <laughs> but Rick Baker does so many great uh, werewolf movies and stuff, and has done so many things. And I'm just kind of thinking that there had to be something in this that affected that and it had to be I feel like it has to be something to do with Mike Nichols because I know Mike Nichols um there's like notes on things about just like the way Mike Nichols wanted to approach some of the werewolf stuff and him um uh and him just being kind of wary of like going leaning too much into like monster movies kind of tropes and all these things and so I really feel like it's Mike Nichols coming up against making a werewolf movie that hit those kinds of things um, you know, in terms of like, oh, they, we could do this, we could do this, and and it was Mike Nichols that was like, or Country Bears. Um, I yeah. I feel like it has to be the case because like Rick Baker never misses with werewolves, and obviously like his his like Werewolf of London inspired thing that he does for um for for Jack Nicholson is so good. I can't see um I can't I can't see how he could just like have such a misstep with the animatronic wolf. That's it. <laughs> um, from there, where are we? I don't even remember. Not know where we are in talking about this movie anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, oh sorry, I was just thinking about um, like the good all all of these like I I'm really surprised how well the publishing house in the way that they built it in the fiction of this world or whatever was going on in the eighties when publishing houses were like this uh, -huh. uh like i i actually found myself really sucked into that kind of thing and i i actually really like i love the turn i love the way that jack nicholson ends up getting back at um spader at spader yeah uh with with the the whole like contract negotiation and that whole like oh i would have hired you way earlier if i knew you were a fucking asshole yeah <laughs> I love like how that. how cutthroat it is is hilarious. Um, but and also like how how that is punctuated. Where if you, did you look at the books? Did you see the books? What, what behind him when they're in the when they're in the boardroom doing the contract scene? Um, I not not like not to really inspect them. Like I didn't pause it and so, like really go in tight on it. No. So I I I got distracted at one point because one of the books is called Self Obsession My Way which I was like, that's funny. That's a very funny title. Yeah. And that one is like spread all the way out. So I was like, what other books are here? Like, what is this big time publishing house like really fighting for? <laughs> and the other two that are prominently featured are the Zucchini Murders. And then there's another one and there's 20 copies of it in a row. And it's called Road Hard and Put Away Wet, which <laughs> made me barf. That is so gross. <laughs> they were like, they were having this like intense argument back and forth, like, "Oh, this place is gonna make us millions, buddy. We're gonna ride on the backs of the zucchini murders and road hard and put away wet. And the two of us are gonna be in Cancun in no time." Baby. Oh my god! Disgusting. Uh, I mean, I appreciate that. Like, the thing is, is that somewhere there is a set deck, and like someone who worked in an art department as like a PA. And was tasked with come up with a bunch of fake book titles. And they did that. And nobody cared. Because they yeah. were like, nobody is going to like 
there's never like, you know, this was 1994. They didn't imagine that 27 years later, there would be a podcast dissecting it and someone would pause it <laughs> and go through the trouble of being like, ooh, road hard and put away wet. Oh, man. It was like good joke and then probably some sort of inside joke and then for sure something the set deck heard the creepy grip say. Yeah, something. You know what I mean? So, And, and I guarantee you it was like one of those things where they shot that stuff after they did a bunch of the stable stuff. And so they were at the stable and that joke kind of kept coming up like that. Because, I mean, I've heard the expression. Um, it's gross, uh, but I've heard the expression and guaranteed it was just something that like when they were shooting with the horses at the stables, it came up and then they made the, you know, and then it became the inside joke with the art department and it was a whole thing. And now we've spent a couple minutes talking about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what else do I have in my notes? Jo like, uh, oh, I have, um. A point where he's talking to the guy with the who didn't have coffee, uh, but just had tequila in the morning. Um, and there's the point where he's uh, asking about Doctor Alizaeus, and he's just like, you know, and and and, and he's just like uh, by VJ Alizaeus, and he's just like, now this is, isn't some mystic out of the jungle, right? And it's just like, and my note is just mystic out of the jungle, Jesus fucking Christ, yeah. <laughs> like, like holy shit come on man like you were supposed to be this is the point of the movie where we're supposed to start rooting for you like please please try to avoid the horrible I, colonialism i do really hope he went back and bit that guy after though yeah that, that guy, guy was, did him a solid all he wanted was to get bit yeah um like, just go bite him yeah like that was it um and clearly the necklace thing worked yeah right like the necklace thing worked. It kept him kind of restrained in the in the stable. He didn't kill his wife, um, which happened that night, but he thinks it did. Um, and that whole thing is really weird because he thinks he did it. Michelle Pfeiffer thinks he did it. It's not until, and we're all kind of all led to believe he did it until we see James Spader at the um, at, at the at the police station. And by the way, I know like I I talked about it earlier, and um, I I've talked a lot about um the the whole shining thing in terms of like a character dynamic and, and miscasting Jack Nicholson sometimes because he's Jack Nicholson he's great but sometimes he starts too high and you can never kind of get the dynamic shift that you want out of him the fact that James Spader is as much of a just greasy slime ball as he is for all this movie and then still manages to turn it up that much <laughs> at the end is goddamn impressive like it goes to a thousand yeah like that he's he is on 12 the whole movie in terms of being a creep and then he still just manages to take it up josh so i just i'm when you're talking about james spader and i was he is very much a creep he's like the, you just hate him throughout this whole movie but i did write in my note james spader deserved like 27 oscars just for this performance because i think he's the first person who has ever been in a scene with jack nicholson and is like stealing the scene with jack nicholson yeah. most times when you're watching a movie with jack nicholson i mean you are barely aware of anyone else on screen <laughs> yeah because he's just going full jack nicholson yeah but this guy is just in there. He, it's like watching like one of those like it's like watching Rocky. You know when Rocky's like, my God, he's in there. He's holding his own with the chip. He's actually taking some rounds. I was like, good for you, James Spader. I hate you in this yeah. movie, but I just you know, or I hate your character. But I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, like 
It is just, yeah, the fact that he manages to just dial that up that way. Um, and, yeah, when he gets there and they put in those. And, like, the thing is, is that when he gets to the police station and stuff, like, how are these cops so blinded by, like, oh, no, the husband definitely did it, <laughs> that they don't notice that he is obvious, like, like, it's just so obvious he murdered that person and is just, like, <laughs> trying to set this whole thing up. He's so goddamn creepy and just, like, nobody has yellow eyes. Like, everything yeah. about him is just so unsettling. And they're just like, no, we got we got everything we need to get Jack Nicholson now. It's like, yeah. Richard Jenkins, you are better than this. Did we call in that uh, that guy after? Oh, you mean the guy who was out in the, uh, in the police waiting room smelling that woman's crotch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Our, we got his statement right here. And let me tell you, we're taking Jack Nicholson down tonight. Yeah, this is the most reliable witness in the history of the American justice system. <laughs> like, oh, man. It's just, oh, oh, my gosh. Uh, it is it is ridiculous how, um, it, it, yeah, it's, just, it's very ridiculous just how uh, he is completely overlooked as a suspect. And they're just until like after when they're just like, Oh yeah, he did say all these things. Maybe he did do all of this. Like how quickly they put it together when they're just like, Oh no, like he killed that guy. It's like, Oh right. Yeah. No. Cause he was creepy. Like, yeah, yeah. we should have, we should have caught that sooner. It's just like, man, go on. Um, where are we in my notes? We're just like, uh, I mean, in their defense, they were drunk as Michelle Pfeiffer figures out with her super smell at the end. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You want gin and tonic or something? Yeah. Um, uh, there's, um, what do I have here? I've got, I've got the whole thing about like Dr. Alizaeus, uh, Alizaeus, uh, sequence kind of is like, it's, we talked about that a little bit. Um, that guy was 44 years old, the actor. And no he was way. and he was aged up with makeup, but it always reminds me of like you know like the hilarious House of Frightenstein, yeah, and like the librarian in Hilarious House of Frightenstein. That's what that <laughs> always reminds me of, and it's just like I don't know, man. I think it's just like um, I don't I don't like that part of 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 a lot of werewolf movies, and uh, it was something I never used to notice with werewolf movies, but I notice now is just that like how much of it is there's just that like level of kind of. Werewolf of London is really bad for it. And when we get to Werewolf of London, we can really kind of dive in and dissect it. But there's like this thing about just kind of like a colonialism and, and just just a bit of a xenophobia to, to werewolf movies uh, in a lot of cases where it's just like it's somebody from somewhere that's not a predominantly white Christian nation who is yeah, like the, the has mystics this, of the East. Yeah. Weird and it's just stuff. it's it's not it's not a good look. No. I mean, like I, I even remember rewatching every time I rewatch Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. It's always just this. It's the same thing. It's just like, oh, God, I love this movie so much. Why does this part happen every time? But, and I mean, like, I get, I, I very much get, uh, I very much get the whole like, I, the, the kind of point of, of at, at the time when this movie was made, that wasn't something that people saw as like a big like faux pas, you know. In terms of, there's obviously a couple things that are said in this movie that. Uh, you're just kind of like, eh, maybe not, but, um, that, that whole thing. But like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's why, it's why there's, there's just like notices on a lot of movies now just saying like, Hey, this movie was made when we didn't mind saying this stuff as much. Um, yeah. and so 
you know, I think this is very much the the case with this movie. Um, but you know, there's I mean, a lot. I, that, that's always what I think of when people say like, "Oh, back in my day, we didn't have phones to answer questions for all of us." Like, when people say that to me, all I think is, "Back in my day, we used to sit in a room." Just a bunch of friends, not a phone in sight, not knowing dick about anything. <laughs> we didn't fucking know anything at all. Yeah. Just the loudest guy in the room was right. And <laughs> yeah, it's just ignorance was bliss. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just, yeah, I, I, you know, and, and it's something that will come up as, as you talk about werewolf movies, just because so many of them have that kind of thing. And especially like we'll get into the Wolfman movies. And I've obviously been reading um, Phases of the Moon. Uh, I have it. I have it here. I haven't gotten to the part on this movie yet, and I feel like I'm gonna want to change so many of the things that I say about this movie after I read the chapter that deals with this era and this movie. Um, but Phases of the Moon is is uh, is kind of making me look at a lot of werewolf movies and just go, oh man, really? Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, back to the fun parts of this. Uh, Ross is in this movie. Oh my God, is he ever? Uh, he gets his handcuff stolen. Yeah, he's just doing a bit as Ross. Like he is, he, I, I don't know. I guess I don't have enough experience with David Schwimmer to know if he has any other modes or if that is just who he is. He stole my handcuffs. Like he's just, <laughs> it's just very much of like, my wife's a lesbian now is kind of the same vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, um, what, a, uh, but I do like that, uh, throughout all that part of it, the werewolf in this movie, and this is something we should actually talk about. Um, the werewolf in this movie is still very much a human for most of it. And like to the point that he's having conversations while he's a werewolf. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of interesting because um, especially when you're like doing like the wolf many kind of uh, werewolf, how much of their humanity is still there when they're in wolf mode. Um, I mean, like obviously like Jack Nicholson gets out of bed and gets dressed to go about his night of, of um, preying on the on on gang members in a Central Park, you know, um, yeah. but it's just yeah, he gets out of bed like because there's always that thing of like Lon Chaney Jr. in the Wolfman like changes and he's wearing like an A-frame shirt and stuff and he changes into the werewolf and they do the close up on his feet and stuff and then when it comes back he's like changed his shirt and tucked it in and buttoned it up. And then goes about praying on the thing. But, like, in this movie, like, Jack Nicholson gets out of bed, puts on a jacket. Like, he puts on a sport yeah. coat, leaves Michelle Pfeiffer in bed, and just goes on about his night. Like, it's so weird. Um, but, but it really does, like, just from a from a creative standpoint, let them do a lot more. Because it's not so all-in as a lot of werewolf movies where it's, like, I go full wolf. I wouldn't be able to have a relationship. Like Michelle Pfeiffer would be torn to shreds. Yeah. If it was your tradition, like that, those things wouldn't be able to happen. And I mean, you do get that great exposition from Dr. Uh, Alaveus about, um, about Jack Nicholson's character. Um, or, or not, not about his character, but more so about the idea of the wolf and that like a good per the demon wolf isn't the, isn't evil. It's, who inhabits the wolf and what they yeah or who the wolf inhabits and you know that's that's what affects it and so and you really see that obviously when James Spader's character uh James Spader the slime ball becomes more of a slime ball yeah Josh <laughs> so I was very curious about this because as because the reason for behind our podcast is besides wanting to watch some werewolf movies and talk about werewolf movies is that we are making our werewolf movie. Uh -huh. um, so I was wondering from you two, what did you 
like just just about the werewolf not about the, anything else in the movie but specifically about the werewolf. we like about the werewolf and what did we think did not work with this werewolf if if either of those apply um for me i like i said i i, I do enjoy the um that kind of hint of humanity. I really, like I said, I really especially like Jack Nicholson in that, in the climax of this movie at like that level of werewolf where there's still, um, it's still a bit of a, a hint of, of something there. Um, like, you know, obviously you see that when he kind of reaches out to Michelle Pfeiffer and kind of like acknowledges his wolf hands and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if I like the James Spader level of that, where he's like as close to full wolf as he's going to get, but still giving like bond villain monologues um, <laughs> about like how evil he is, you know? And like, it's, it's like, he's got all this hair on his face now, but yeah, he's, he, he's showing restraint by not like curling any of it and just being like, um, <laughs> but you know, like I, 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 I like that. I, I don't, I, uh, this movie has a, I think a big effect on, um, on how I like bipedal werewolves versus like quadrupedal werewolves. So like, I like wolf men. That's my more like in terms of like what kind of werewolves I like in movies. I prefer the, the wolf man kind of werewolf as opposed to um, the kind of like hulking beast kind of werewolf. And I think it's just cause the animatronic wolf at the end of this is up so much of a letdown. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that's why I kind of lean that way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that kind of where like I like, that level, I don't know if I like the part where he's like having a conversation with like the people he's about to kill, um, in the park or like rip off that guy's hands. But um, I I do I do like the uh, that still kind of fighting for for something and aware and it'll have a like a hint of uh, a hint of humanity. I think is is what I'm trying to say, Mike. Yeah, I I definitely like the idea that the werewolf becomes a heightened version of the person that's inside of it like it takes that wildness and it brings it out but if you're good you're going to be a half decent werewolf if you're bad you're going to be bad werewolf um and i do like the bipedal werewolf but i i personally like a bit more of a transformation i think yeah um and i think this wolf for this movie is perfect yeah 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 but i think it's because this movie is more like i wouldn't really call it horror if it wasn't for like the blood yeah you know what i mean it's more of a supernatural drama yeah whereas i think having like a more transformed scarier wolf and like a different tone kind of thing would lead more to like the horror moments right i mean i, I think that's totally fair um and but i i do think yeah it would, it would affect the tone if he was more uh, if he was more of a wolf than he gets to be, I at, at points in this movie, I think I think it would, yeah, it would just be weird for what the movie is. I think, yeah. and I and I think that the that progression of um throughout the movie of like you know, like I said, because the moon is full for the 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 climax of the movie, but it's not. It's just like as the moon is getting full, um, it's it's kind of happening. You know that that whole thing is happening. So, um. Yeah, I think that the the progression where he's just kind of getting more and more wolf like, and I mean Jack Nicholson also does a really great werewolf run, like that, like swinging arms kind of thing. It's so good. Um, but yeah, his progression as a wolf um, 
throughout the the times he kind of like semi transforms is really is really great, and I think it, it's a big um, it's a big uh, it's a, it. I think it's what sells the the version of this movie that it is, and that anything further than any any further. Uh, that way, because I mean, a lot of the the movie, a lot of the fl- flaws with this movie as a werewolf movie, I think, come from the the restraint and 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 attempts at subtlety and nuance to convey a lot of the stuff. Um, that you know, like I said, the dynamics with Jack Nicholson's character and all these things, like they don't really land the way you want them to. And, and some of it is just that it's it's Nicholson. It's hard to kind of get him that way. There's a part where it's just like when he kind of changes his. Um, when when he kind of changes his moods completely, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily um, when, like when his character kind of goes, "No, I'm gonna fuck up James Spader's life. I'm getting my job back. I'm I'm moving out, doing all those things." So much of that feels like it's triggered by the infidelity than it is by he's becoming a werewolf, you know. And so there's like weird little things that way that that I feel um, are are are, are kind of missteps. Where if you're not really exploring the movie, you kind of if you're just sitting back to watch a werewolf movie, you really miss a lot of that stuff, you know? Um, but, yeah. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm... did you think, Josh? What... So my lessons that I figured that I was going to take away, because I'm going to try and, like, take a lesson from, from each of these things that we that we watched. So um, my thing that I thought really worked apart. the best I'm was... I'm calling him right now. That's going to fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's gonna. This is gonna. I'm gonna learn something from everything. So, the uh, the my favorite scene was the scene where David Hyde Pierce just walks into his office as Jack Nicholson's editing the manuscript. We've already talked about this one where yeah. he's like, "Oh, I smell the tequila." That is the best scene. I thought that was as good as, you know, it's not as impressive as say like American Werewolf in London, where there's that big like apartment floor, you know, transformation. But I found it as satisfying for yeah. this movie. I really felt that was. That was just excellently done, and it and it advanced the plot through it. It wasn't just oh, we got to have a scene of him transforming. It's okay, he's transforming, he's getting all these abilities, and it's actually affecting the plot. Now he hears the conversation down the hall in the bathroom about how he's getting fired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I and so I loved I loved that. Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say that I actually had in my notes too. It's like that is the turning point of this movie, where anything where you feel like Jack Nicholson's sad sack character isn't sad sacky enough. Um, that turning point where he comes in and he's like, you're not wearing your glasses. And from that moment on, Jack Nicholson just, like, it's his movie. Um, you know, any any kind of, like, miscues and stuff that happened in his character not quite being what it needs to be in the, in the beginning, that point on, it it, 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 it really kind of owns. But, Josh, I'll let you, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the delay. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. Uh, it's 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 what I, it's the penalty for being on the delay. So the thing I learned that I, I we are not going to do is uh, the end scene where they're both fighting in the stable, where you have two werewolves just like having a big werewolf fight. And you know, spoiler alert for our for our movie, there is a there is there's a moment where there are two or multiple werewolves in the same place. Yeah. And I put a note, like, do not do this unless you have the budget to do this. Because, you know, I really like the idea of the two fighting in the stable and having a big werewolf fight at the end. But in what we actually got was just a lot of really sharp cuts of Jack Nicholson and James Spader kind of rolling on each other. And then two wolf masks just being smashed against each other. And then you cut back and forth. It was was really distracting. Unlike... 
and but like the, there was like the Benicio del Toro Wolfman where he fights Anthony Hopkins at the end, and that's just I mean they had a you know it was you know it was also a lot more recent. They had a bigger budget, I'm sure, but I mean that was a full blown fight. Just still you know, Rick like Baker WWF power moves and yeah. Yeah, no, the, the the werewolf v. werewolf battle at the end of 2010's The Wolfman is so good. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I so good. There, there's things you can do with the lower budget, too, because I, I think they had a real gift there. They could have, I, I mean, I guess it's hard to not put Jack Nicholson and James Spader heavily on camera for the entire time that you have them. But, like, filming it with Michelle Pfeiffer, more from her perspective, of yeah. staying closer on Michelle Pfeiffer and having that kind of interrupt her as she's trying to get away. Like when I picture the two, like a werewolf fight, you're more watching it, I think, from the people who are running away from its perspective. Yeah. And then you don't have to show the monsters as much, just the the rustling around them, the every once in a while, the two, you know, sort of rolling through or almost getting someone before getting, you know, dragged away, kind of switching the perspective a bit. And you know what? There's a... Um... There's a, a a point with this movie that apparently, um, and again, it's in like the IMDb trivia, so, you know, take it for whoever, you know, whatever that is. But apparently it's when she expressed interest in the part, they were trying to like um, in, kind of increase her character because there, there was a lot of stuff where it was just the kind of uh, woman in danger tropes kind of thing. And something as simple as that, uh, of playing that third act from her, like, because that's the thing, is from the point she leaves her house to go back to the police station, give it to her. It's her movie. Um, and I and I think that, like, playing that whole third act from her perspective that way, because it's her realizing that, that uh, Spader's the bad guy. And it's her uh, getting back and, like, needing Jack Nicholson's good wolf to, to uh, kind of help her out, you know, and all these things. It, it really is a point where, like, yeah, her trying to escape this and her watching what's happening. And, I mean, she winds up becoming, she gets kind of caught up in it a lot more by the end. Um, like, having all the all that kind of happen um, from her perspective, I think it could be a really great way to approach that whole thing. And it would have really helped them give her more to do, which they apparently were trying to do. Um what I had, a, I did have a note about Michelle Pfeiffer in the. I had a lot of notes about how great Michelle Pfeiffer is in this movie. Um, I don't know, I don't know where it is, <laughs> but yeah, I think you know when it gets to that werewolf versus werewolf uh, um, thing at the end. Yeah, it was, and it feels to me like it's it's the one point this movie also kind of like detaches from trying not to be a werewolf movie. You know, like it's the one thing that's kind of off in tone from. Like so, but at the same time, the movie seems it seems to be like the culmination of everything else we've been working towards. Because I mean, really, the best like that was a fun werewolf versus werewolf battle. But the best scene of 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 kind of werewolf v werewolf, and we didn't even know it at the time, is after Jack Nicholson signs the contract and goes into the bathroom, and James Spader is like at the urinal, and he's just like, "Oh well, you know," and it's literally a pissing match. Um, yeah. cause he's at the urinal and, and he's like trying to tell Jack Nicholson, it's like, Oh, I, I'm really fighting to get your job back. And you know, you're gonna have to take a pay cut and all these things. And Jack Nicholson's just like, I, I got my job back. You're fired. He pees on his shoes. And after James Spader wipes him off, he's just like, this is suede. And Jack Nicholson, he's like, 
he like points at his shoes and he's like, sweet shoes. And Jack Nicholson goes, asparagus. And he just like storms out. It's so great. And it's nothing they did with the actual werewolves would be better than that. No, that's true. Because, <laughs> I mean, it really was the best antagonistic scene of those two characters in the movie. It's so good. But it also, because it's like literally a pissing match and you're literally watching them that way. And it's just, it's very interesting considering how much like kind of weird alpha machismo goes into the dynamics in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one thing. And I think this is in, I think it's in werewolf movies in general, but just, just go around, <laughs> say, uh, when you think of a wolf, what is one thing that you think of? Howling. Howling, Josh. Fur. Fur? Wrong. It's horniness. Horniness <laughs> is number one. I don't know why, but that's, that's for some reason, <laughs> all of the werewolves, when they become werewolves, just get horny. Yeah. And I don't know, like, that, that, that would, that's always a weird one for me, because it's not something I would think of when I thought of a wolf, but I, I have a feeling that this is going to be I, I from all of the ones that I can remember it becomes a trend that someone gets bitten by a werewolf and then they get horny like the wolf <laughs> is it which i mean is the lesser known duran duran song um <laughs> but also still very much a duran duran song um cuz we know what they're hungry for um but yeah no it it is funny cuz i mean so much of it is like beasts within your animalistic instincts and so much of that is just sex you know, it's like, that toxic alpha male stuff. Yeah. Which I, I don't I don't know. Like, that's something that I, I think of for a, a more recent and, and like, I guess a reason that I'm I'm looking forward to watching uh, Ginger Snaps again. Yeah. Um, is getting getting away from that. Um, but like the uh, something to look at is is more of the like wolf qualities or like what is what is something that when you're not kind of an old white guy writing a, you know, sexed up wolf romp. Yeah. Like where, what, how does, how does a werewolf affect, you know, what, what is that tie in from wolf to person now? Like getting away from the alpha wolf thing. Cause I, I mean, that that's the other thing too, is like the alpha wolf thing is like a, a lone wolf. An alpha wolf is a sick wolf that got kicked out of its community. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, yeah, it, it's, you know, we'll, we'll travel by pack. And so it's like, yeah, like an alpha is, is kind of like a leadership thing, but like a lone wolf is, yeah, it's a, it, it, it's an outcast. And so it's just that weird, um, yeah, the whole thing, it's, it's, it's just, it's a strange thing to, that, that is going to be fun to explore as we kind of go through these. But yeah, like yeah. there's so much just alpha bullshit in this, like in the way this movie is set up, but, uh, you know, uh, Horniness is, is, is a weird thing with wolves. But uh, speaking of horniness, this movie confirms, um, and I'm sad that she didn't say it, Wolfman's got nards. This movie does have a wolfman <laughs> getting need in the balls. And the fact yeah. that Michelle Pfeiffer didn't stop and go, Wolfman's got nards before she ran away, kind of is uh, a wasted opportunity as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Um, we've been talking about this movie a lot. Is there anything, there's a couple things I want to do as like a wrap up, but we've been like over an hour of, of chatting through Wolf and it's a two hour movie and there's a lot to, lot to talk about and a lot to unpack. And, uh, there's still stuff we, we didn't talk about, uh, just cause like there was some weird, there's some weird notes that I just made. Like when the guy, when Tom, the security guard is like, 
Miss Alden, like you should, the wolf, the, the the horses are seem to be upset in the barn, and she's like, okay, stay away from the barn. And I'm like, did you not already go check on the horses? Like, did you like yeah. hear them and just like be like, that's her problem when she gets back? Um, so like, there's a bunch of like weird little things in, in it that way, but that that's not as much to to deal with. But uh, we do have checklists and uh, a couple things that we want to wrap up that we want to do for kind of every movie, um, and make sure that we've we we talked about in some way. But before we get to that, uh, is there anything, Mike or Josh, uh, you want to say uh, more and that we can just kind of like get into on this movie before we move on to that stuff? Not for me. Okay, well, I have something. I was, I just, I would be really curious to see the original screenplay or like hear the original pitch for this that got everyone involved because this was such an impressive uh, cast and crew. I mean, it, it you really had everyone in this was just, you know, this was like a first round draft pick of people you want working on like a movie and like all the key roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like maybe this was the case of they had, you know, what was it like too many cooks in the kitchen. Like it did, like I know this did get a rewrite before they shot it. And I think maybe as they were shooting it as well, um, certain things were changed from the way it had been originally written. And I just feel like it should have been a lot cooler and a lot more memorable than it was because in the end i don't know that i'm going to remember a ton about this i'll remember a few scenes but i just feel like this should have been a lot better (laughs) that i think is is a fair point um yeah again like like and i we kind of talked about like mike nichols is a fantastic director he's done a lot of great things um Mm -hmm. but in terms of his vision for this movie um it seemed to be very, uh, you know, it, it seemed to be a lot of his stuff was uh, antithetical to making a werewolf movie. Um, I mean, you get Jack Nicholson, who's great. You get James Spader, who just, like, chews up everything. You get Michelle Pfeiffer, who's wonderful uh, wonderful in the movie. You get Christopher Plummer, David Hyde Pierce. Um, you know, you get guys like Richard Jenkins, and Richard Jenkins is just so good. He's such a good character guy. This is Allison Janney's first movie. Um, and I mean, she's only got a line, but she's still, she's still fantastic. Like there's so many great people in this movie. I mean, uh, even Kate Nelligan, Kate Nelligan, fun fact, Kate Nelligan wasn't supposed to be in this movie. Uh, she's fantastic in it, but that part was supposed to go to Mia Farrow until they like balked because she was in the middle of taking Woody Allen to court and they just didn't want her in the movie because they were afraid about like how it would be, um, uh, like controversial and stuff that she was, uh, you know, dealing with, with the trial and, and all these other things. Um, so like, you know, all, all this stuff is happening, but yeah, like, like Mike Nichols just seems to not want to make a straight werewolf movie. And if this is a straight werewolf movie, um, that like leans into it and says the word werewolf at some point, I think it's, I think it's that much better. I think you're right. Josh, you, you want to, you want to come back at me on this. I know. I, I just want to point out something that something I don't mean to jump on Mike Nichols again, but something else Nichols doesn't do. I just realized this clicked with me. He, so he directed uh, the Birdcage a few years later, which yeah. is one of my favorite movies. I love. It's one of those movies that I'll put on every day and watch it. I just I love that movie. He doesn't do transformations very well because in this, like the uh, <laughs> you know, you get the. Jack Nicholson running around, or the Jack Nicholson body running around, looking very much not like Jack Nicholson. For a, he, a couple of years later, he does the movie where there's Nathan Lane, supposed to be like the most ama- like the best drag queen in I, I think in Florida, I think 
So he's, he's like the best drag queen in Florida, getting people come night after night. And he does not look like a drag queen. It's like the least impressive like drag queen transformation ever. And you're thinking someone who's <laughs> making a career out of this is going to do a better job than this. Because, you know, you have Nathan Lane just blowing away Gene Hackman for the entire movie. Like, yeah, that's this is definitely not just a man with a wig and a little bit of powder in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I think it's I think it's the same thing that kind of comes back, you know, that we've been talking about a lot. It's just like, in some cases, it's just the case of um, a, a director that's so kind of committed to the cast and who the cast is. Because, I mean, Jack Nicholson was on this project before Mike Nichols was. And Jack Nicholson had final say over director and kind of gave Mike Nichols the job. But it, it still kind of goes into that, like, there's just like a touch of miscasting in terms of um, wanting to show the restraint and just letting kind of actors act and letting them just kind of um, letting them just kind of be who they, who they are. Um, and, and, and I feel like that's, that's kind of what you're talking about with, with transformations. That said, I think the movie he made after, like, you know, he made Wolf, his next movie was the birdcage The movie he made after that, uh, was primary colors and John Travolta became Bill Clinton in that movie. <laughs> so he did let he did, he finally he finally got his like proper transformation when he got to when he got to primary colors. Um, but uh, oh, there was there was one other thing about the like I, and I you know there's so much other stuff that we could kind of dig into and we could kind of keep going on this movie forever. Um, and I'm just trying to make sure that I have all my stuff. Mike, was there you said you said you didn't have anything. Josh, was there anything else? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, as I'm as I'm going through here, yeah, I think I've I've got most of my stuff out of the way. Um, not there's nothing that's like oh my god if I don't get to talk about. It. So we got the checklist. So is the werewolf in our movie uh, the protagonist or the antagonist? Uh, we have two werewolves, so one is kind of oh. each, right? Um, we we have bipedal quad uh, bipedal werewolves who eventually. Is implied become quadrupedal wolves. When uh, the demon wolf fully takes over, because I, I think that's another thing too. That's that's a little bit different. Is this idea that it's like no, no, I I, I called it from the start. Yeah, I asked the doctor if I could be turning into a wolf. I was. I'm turning. I'm turning into a wolf. Yeah, and then they. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's not a a curse where he's going to turn back and forth. It's once he's the wolf, he's just the wolf. So yeah. when it gets to how many transformations, which is the next thing on our list, there is a bunch of like half-assed ones throughout the movie, but really like you get one full transformation and you don't see it on camera. Um, yeah. And there isn't really an on-screen transformation other than when James Spader's hand goes back to human form at the end. Um, and you kind of just see like his hand grasping the the shears and it, and it kind of turns. Um, how many kills? There's uh, three, I think. In the movie, I think it's three. The two guards. It's the two guards and his wife, and that one's yeah. off camera. And then everything else is just like maimed. Like the guy whose fingers get ripped off is still like on the like you know it's still implied he's just been hurt. He's not he hasn't been killed. So the guy the guy who got his fingers ripped off is not the same guy who got his neck bit in the shadow. Is that? Oh that? yeah yeah yeah. No no because he it was after so that was a different guy. So yeah, I think because I feel like the guy in the shadow died. Yeah, right? so like, he's so dead. we're gonna give it to four. 
Yeah. All right, we're going to get four kills. James Spader died, but he didn't die by right. a werewolf. Although Michelle Pfeiffer was, I guess, technically turning into a werewolf at the time. Werewolf, with a, so, ages, werewolf so. with a gun. So so we got like a we got like a five or six. Like we're not doing the full yeah. kill count on this thing, but yeah, like it's 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 a half dozen or so. But it's never like kind of explicit. Like oh my gosh, this movie has so many crazy like. You know, the way a lot of uh, effects-heavy movies will have a bunch of kills, um, this movie doesn't have that. How human is the wolf? Very at points. Um, Mostly. <laughs> how did they become a werewolf? Uh, through a bite. Uh, did this movie have source material? It was not based on anything, and the life trajectory of the wolf seems to get better. Seems seems to be seems to be good. So if uh, he if it wasn't for James Spader and he kept that, if I'm understanding it right, if he kept that necklace on for just one night, yeah. He was good for good. It yeah. stops the transformation altogether. So that's pretty, I mean, pretty sweet. Yeah. And he's just got like, you know, fuller, a uh, fuller head of hair and Michelle Pfeiffer, which, you know, is, you know, it, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, but let's, let, I want to do one thing. And I didn't mention this to you guys before, cause I kind of only came up with it last night. So um, if this doesn't work, uh, we don't have to do it ever again, but I kind of want to try to do it. As an every go off script, yeah. So in the Wolfman, the original Wolfman, written by Kurt uh, Siadmak, and I think I'm saying that right. I've checked. I've, I've checked. There's always been like a weird debate because I've only ever seen it written and not really heard it said. So I think it's how you pronounce uh, Siadmak. But Kurt Siadmak wrote the Wolfman and uh, had story credits on most of the other Wolfman movies and stuff. And in that movie, there was a very famous little poem that is treated as folklore, and it's great. And it's even a man who is pure of heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. In latter movies, it becomes and the moon is full and bright. Um, and I think that there's a lot to unpack in that little poem, and I think that we can uh, use it to assess all of our werewolf movies. So uh, if we take it line by line, we can actually kind of assess this movie and see where it lands in the Wolfman poem scale of being uh, a good werewolf movie and how we're going to score it. So even a man, is it a man who's a werewolf or a woman? It's a man in this movie uh, who's pure of heart. Is he a good person at the start of the movie? I would argue he's a bit of a dick. He's meant to be better than the other people, but the other people are all fucking horrible. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's, yeah, he's, he's kind of a dick. Because I, I mean, the whole, yeah. but the whole thing in this movie is that he is pure of heart in that, like James Spader becomes bloodthirsty and a killer and is like trying to set him up and do all these horrible things. Um, and Jack Nicholson is inherently good, even though he's so much of a dick but he's still considered inherently good by this movie's standards. I think, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that's the question of, are you good because you're not bad? And I think that's the case in this one. <laughs> um, and says his prayers by night. There's not really too much religious subtext other than the weird implied uh, level of, like, mysticism that they're, the, you know, like the weird, the weird kind of xenophobia that they bring up a couple times. But it's not really, like, a, a full-on, like, Christian religious subtext. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing more modern Christianity than xenophobia. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, but I still wouldn't like. I wouldn't consider this like the way a lot of werewolf movies. As we kind of get into them, I think you're gonna find we're gonna find a lot uh, of stuff like Curse of the Werewolf and Werewolf of London and other things have like a very strong religious overtone. And I don't think that this movie has that the same way. I agree. Um, may become a, a wolf. 
that happens. Uh, (laughs) There is a physical transformation into a wolf, and in this case, a full-on wolf by the end of it. Uh, When the wolfbane blooms, how much is folklore integrated into this? And I think it's pretty heavily. Uh, I think compared to other movies where uh, you uh, have, like, scientific stuff or... um, you know, like we're going to get into some werewolf movies that are, have fully to do with like, yeah, like a Dr. Jekyll kind of thing where he takes a potion um, or like is exposed to gamma rays or like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think this one is heavy kind of folklore to some degree. Would you guys agree with so. that? The moon being closest to the earth that it's been in a hundred years type thing. Yeah. And there's like the medallion that is supposed to suppress the amulet that's supposed to kind of suppress the change and all that kind of stuff. Um so I, I would I would agree with that one. There's not a lot like you know. There's no silver bullets. Uh, it seems to be just a regular gun that that kills James Spader at the end. Um, there's there's not like a cut scene set to like a cool soundtrack where Michelle Pfeiffer is like melting down the family the family silverware to like smelt a bullet. <laughs> you know, like that's not happening. But uh, otherwise, you know, it, it seems it doesn't it doesn't go too hard in, into that kind of side of the folklore. But it definitely has like a folk remedy that cures werewolfism or suppresses it. Is uh, is a thing. And then in the moon is, I'm, I'm going to go moon is full and bright um, for the sake, which is, like I said, it's the thing that comes up ladder in, in all these. Um, it it kind of gets replaced as more full moon lore comes into the, the werewolf movies. And so we're going to go with that one to say, does the moon have an effect? And obviously it does. You have the, <laughs> you guys are nodding along just because we're on a video call. It's like, <laughs> this is intended to be audio. Um, I, I can't, I can't dispute it. Yeah. Three. But yeah, it's like the wolf. The, you know, the the initial bite happens when the moon is the closest it's been to Earth in a hundred years, um, and then the the change progresses over the course of uh, over the course of um, the movie, culminating at the full moon. Fun fact: um, when Doctor Alizaeus uh, tells Will that he was he was bitten, the moon was the closest it had been uh, in a hundred years. March 8th, 1993, which is, I guess, when this is set, uh, was the date of the super uh, Peregrine moon, meaning that it was, in fact, the closest it was to its orbit. Wild. Did uh, you also know that there's no wolves in Vermont? I didn't. So that was a weird thing that I actually Googled partway through the movie where it was like, I got bit by a wolf, and they're like, in Vermont? Yeah. In, I was like, that doesn't seem that crazy. In but I looked England? It up and yeah, it's like, it's very strange. They apparently went to, uh, they they went like extinct in Vermont in the 1800s. Yeah, but to me, it's, it's weird because like, um, when you think about, you know, North America, I guess it's like a thing where in, in the U.S. especially, like the U.S. is bisected by the Mississippi. So it's like, without wolves just like straight up crossing bridges and stuff you know like how how many wolves are just kind of like cry like you know what that's what divides the east and the west in the u.s so um how many wolves are actually like if wolves east of the mississippi have gone uh have have migrated or whatever and there aren't there it's just it seems really strange to me but yeah like it, it makes sense like we don't have uh other than the occasional uh wolf that rides in on an ice pan there aren't wolves in newfoundland anymore and that makes sense to me because we're on an island um yeah. but the idea that just like vermont doesn't have wolves and it's just kind of like it, uh speaking you know allison janney is in this movie and uh there's a fun um a fun episode of the of the West Wing where they do the uh, big block of cheese day and someone comes in and they're trying to talk about making like a highway for wolves and she's just like but will the will the wolves go on the highway like will they know it's for them and use it and that's kind of what no wolves in Vermont makes me think of. So do you think that in the fiction of this because uh, when people turn into 
werewolves in this movie, they also become the best possible choice for like high power promotions. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the reason there's so many wolves in Vermont is because when they eventually turn into full Chuck E. Cheese animatronic wolves, they all just go to a country club out there for wolves? Yeah, I think so. Like a retirement country club? 100%. And that's why he hits them there? Yeah. there's like 40 wolves there. In, right At one the point, yeah. It's not even like that That weird like, oh, a werewolf wolf has kind of infiltrated and gotten into Vermont in a way. Like, you know, it's like there's a pack of wolves at the beginning of this movie. And, and like, and they've apparently gone undetected for a hundred, hundred plus years or whatever, right? It's very strange. Um. All right. So I think it does hit the 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 Wolfman poem uh metric. I think it, it ticks off a lot of the boxes on that. Um, and I I kind of I, I don't know. I think that 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 thing went sort of well. What do you guys think? Are we gonna keep the poem thing for future episodes? Yeah, I love it. I, think I like it. People the... like checklists. All right. And I like yeah. the checklist too. It's a good checklist. Um, all right. So there's been a lot to unpack with Wolf. I really, I still stand by this movie. I still love it. And it, it, it definitely has that. If I watch this movie for the first time, when you guys watch this movie for the first time, I don't know that I would like it as much. And I don't know <laughs> how much it has informed my other opinions on werewolf movies, but I do, I do love this movie. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and it's because it's because it's just been with me for so long. Um, but yeah, what, what's your, what are your big takeaways, Mike? Uh, big takeaways. I mean, I, I, I do, I, I like the movie. I was uh, yearning for more horror as I always am with, with uh, a werewolf movie. I go into it hoping for some, some cool horror sequences, but damn, I want to open a publishing house. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, Josh? Uh, I think, yeah, my takeaways were that I I did like it, although I was kind of a little bit disappointed considering that who was behind this, who was a a part of this. I felt like it could. And I did, there were a a couple of things in the story where I sort of felt like this is a a real sign of there's too many people getting their hands on the story because I think there was so much of the movie being motivated by Jack Nicholson in the publishing house and my, I think my favorite scenes were all taking place in the publishing house where they're, you know, all that character stuff going on there. But then once they go full werewolf, we never really go back. And I'm kind of thinking, well, what's going, what's going to happen at the publishing house tomorrow? Because I just <laughs> kind of want to see what they're talking about. Yeah, it's like I love the sassy secretary in this movie, and I love David, uh, David Hyde Pierce in this movie. And even David Hyde Pierce is just like when, when, when Jack Nicholson is like gone full alpha, alpha male. Um, just being like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And David Hyde Pierce is turned. Like, and yeah, it's, it's worm is, is turned and he's packing an Uzi, um, <laughs> which is a great line. Um, but when it's like at that, he's like, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And David Hyde Pierce is like two things. Is any of this true? <laughs> like, he's like, okay, you're yeah. a God to me right now. And it's just yeah. like, I just love his, like, how is he going to deal with, well, he gets to take over now too, right? Because he's been named in the, the, you know, you get the scene. So that guy gets to take over the publishing house and he is like such a strange little man in this movie. <laughs> and yeah. now he's like the head of the publishing house and it's great. Because Jack Nicholson- Honestly, the movie I want to watch more than Wolf is the movie that follows him being like uh, my boss who was like my God and the, his like skeevy underling both turned into wolves and died. Yeah. Uh, and now I've got to run this publishing house. <laughs> Yeah, like that's that is the because I mean there is the cliffhanger of like you you very much get Michelle Pfeiffer shows up and she's got her makeup done all of a sudden and wearing like and a black, turtleneck and a and a black turtleneck so like you know something's happened it's it's the um 
it, 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 that's the big change is that she wears black now. Um, but it's, a, you know, there's that bit of a cliffhanger of like, oh, she's a wolf. What's going to happen now? But that's not the sequel to this movie I would want. The sequel I no. would want is just following David Hyde Pierce running the uh, publishing house amid the fallout of James Spader and Jack Nicholson being werewolves. <laughs> and, um, but that said, I love this movie. Um, I want to see that movie. <laughs> Let's let's make that movie. Let's make that movie instead. Let's cancel our movie and just like reach out to David Hyde Pierce and be like, "Hey, do you want to go back and revisit this character? Because we all really want to." Listen, I'm writing it down. I have a feeling by the end of this, we're going to have a list of movies that we're going to make instead of our movie. That's oh, you know what? We should do that. That's the movie we make out of this one. Like that's what we do different. We'd feel like you know, how would we make this movie different? It's a it's a David Hyde Pierce movie. We talked about like how Michelle watching the the climax through Michelle uh, Pfeiffer's eyes. Uh, would be like a better kind of approach to, to that climax and ha- how to cover up a lot of things. But I want to see the, um, I'm going to mess up their names and Josh, you're going to have to correct me, but Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead version of this that focuses on David Hyde Pierce and Maude, the, or uh, David Hyde Pierce and the secretary. That's yeah. what I want to see is them just navigating all of the things happening in this movie. Awkward pause. All right, we're great. I thought Josh was coming in <laughs> on something. Sorry, I was writing. Just... <laughs> this is a longer pitch than I thought. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the movie I want to see. And maybe we'll get to make that one too. If we do a really good job with our werewolf movie, maybe they'll give us the reins to that one. Um, but yeah, the, the yeah, I, I kind of I kind of like that idea a lot. Um, all right, guys. Uh, any other takeaways? Anything else you want to add? Nothing. I think Josh is frozen. I'm wrung out. I'm a, I'm wrung out like a werewolf rag. Yeah, uh, so I, I was uh, I was thumb down, thumbs downing and shaking my head. Yeah, your screen froze, so we didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So until next time, you can find me on stuff at Hickey Comma Mike. I'm kind of everywhere for that. Uh, the show is at that lunacy. Uh, that's lunacy on on Twitter. We have a Facebook page now. I did. Guys, I'm sorry. I set up that's lunacypod at gmail.com. So if you do have anything you want to uh, send us or let us know about, you can email us at that's lunacypod at gmail.com. I'm sorry, guys. I realized after that I don't know that I actually did set up that other email address. <laughs> um, okay, so for whoever has that Somebody email has address, it, and they hate us right now. Um, yeah. So if we forgot anything that you loved about this movie and you really want to send it to us and maybe we'll do a recap episode eventually, yeah. email it to that's lunacy at gmail.com. <laughs> that's lunacy pod. Mike. And that's because we will actually set up a YouTube page probably any minute now. Um, but un- until next time, like I said, that's where you can get me. Mike, where can people find uh, you? You can find stuff? me uh, at Mike Friday on Twitter or at Wonder and Blunder, which is my Dungeons and Dragons super nerd podcast. And Joshua? And you, I mean, you don't need to find me. I'm, I'm deliberately not on the internet so I can be found. I just like, well, you know, you know, email me at that. That's lunacy.com. That's me. That's me. That's lunacy at gmail.com. That's lunacy. I check it hourly. <laughs> Jesus All right. Uh, so until next time, thanks so much guys. Oh, we, we we're going to, we didn't pick a movie. We were going to pick another movie to announce. We should just announce on, 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 on Twitter, oh. on Twitter, I guess we'll do that. You're going to have to follow us on social media to figure out what yeah, we're Yeah. Follow next. us at that's lunacy on Twitter or Facebook. And, uh, from there, you'll find out what we're going to uh, uh, watch next week. And yeah. uh, in the uh, immortal words of our friend Scott Sims, like and subscribe. But, like, like and 
it doesn't work as an audio thing. It works better in text because it's a yeah. funny werewolf joke. Um, but it is a very good joke. It's a so great. We'll write it down on the Twitter. Yeah. And you have to read it there. Um, but uh, thanks to Scott for that one. But yeah, everybody, thanks so much. And we will be back next week where we watch a different werewolf movie. And we're going to decide what that is very soon and let you know. Uh, and uh, until next time, aroo, I don't know. That, that pal was pretty good. I feel uh, I, I feel road hard and put away wet. Especially after you put away.